welcome everyone. I like that music. This is Ray Ellis Sports on the number one network, Voice America Network, with the number one co-host in the world. Fan man. And it's, uh, as always, it's a great day in the valley. Uh, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. And all those folks out on the East Coast, I'm sorry. You man, know. it's cold yeah, there, you, baby. <laughs> you should have relocated. All those giant fans, I know you're happy you're back in New York, but you should have stayed here. It's, it's a beautiful day here in the valley. Oh, and, uh, man. It's, it's 75 here, and it's 9 degrees in Philly or yeah, something. That's why they call this paradise. Paradise. Yeah. The, the valley. valley of the sun. Yeah. And speaking of valley of the sun, there's a, a, a new guy in the valley now, right? There's a big fella here now. Oh, yeah. Is that uh, Shaq Daddy? Yeah. Shaq Daddy's here. And Shaq Daddy said he's coming here to put another ring on, on one of his fingers. Well, there's a lot of crap going on about that with uh, with uh, that former NBA player. What's his name? Uh, uh, the analyst on ESPN. Oh, Bill Walton? Walton, yeah. Walton's saying he's full of garbage. He's a liar. He didn't want to play in Miami. He's a loser. And then the fight begins. Well, right? uh, well first of all, Bill Walton you know, probably of all people, like Shaq said, doesn't really have the resume to speak to what the issues are. But then again, everybody has an opinion, like you and I, and we sit on it, and sometimes it uh, you can hear some audio from um, it. How many, how many rings does Walton have compared to Shaq? Well, I think he's got one. And Shaq you know. has four. Yeah, well, I guess it, oh, last night on Channel 12, the local a, uh, NBC affiliate, they, they showed his uh, actual sneaker compared to the anchor woman's uh, high heel. Wow. Yeah, it was really funny to watch wow. how big he is. You he's know, but huge. one thing about Bill Walton, I mean, Bill knows that a big man like that, even when Bill played, he was injured all the His knees were always terrible. Yeah, he was always injured. Yeah, and so there's time. You know, basketball is different than we always talk about this in football where, you know, you lose one game, it's like a 10-game losing streak. Right. Basketball, you actually play 10 games, games. you know, within a 10-day period. Right. And so you can take off a few days, you know, and Shaq probably was trying to recover because unlike football, you know, basketball, again, there's a number of games to make up, make up so you can make it into the playoffs. Which you be, lose one or two in football, you may be out you of may the playoffs. You may be out of it. Yeah, what's going to be interesting, the Lakers are coming to town in February to play the Suns. That should be a really good – I hope that's nationally televised. I'm pretty sure it will well, be. Well, you know, I don't think – you know, I think Shaq and Kobe have really buried the hatchet. I really don't think that it's – you know, it's, uh, they it's were having those, those, those games that were coming on Christmas Day. I mean, they both are great ball players. will mm-hmm. go down to some of the best of all time, mm-hmm. and they just want to win. They don't care who – who they're playing. You know, that thing, nah, you know, man, they're over that. You know, they're, they're doing a dish uh, network, uh, a dish, um, what do you call it, dish uh, satellite, satellite? Ne- network, uh, a commercial with the guy from Mad TV, and I can't think of his name right now, it's slipping, but they're, he's in, he's uh, impersonating Charles Barkley. It is funny as hell. Well, it is really <laughs> funny. You know, hey, Charles is funny. You don't have to Char- impersonate yeah, him. Yeah, you, you don't know, have to impersonate him. But you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice American Network with the number one co-host in the world. Fan man. And you can always call us at 866-472-5788. Again, that's 866-472-5788. You know, listen, I just want to talk a little bit, a couple more seconds. You know, I won't give it a lot of of time. About that Super Bowl. I mean, they were really, you know, and I think this Super Bowl, I think they were promoting it as who wants it more. Mm -hmm. And there were actually two plays, but three people involved in those plays, Mm -hmm. you know, that really showed everybody who wanted it more. And, And one of them was, um, you know, the, of course, the past. Eli. Uh, Eli. You know, his will. I mean, you know, that's what they say about football players. You know, and I think there's a, a slogan out there that if I'm, I, I think it's the, uh, the children that are handicapped, you know, you, Special Olympics. Did you take speed today? You're no, speed or something? no. Okay. I'm just, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I can tell. have a great show. But what <laughs> yeah, I want to say about that mm-hmm. is that their motto is, uh, let me win, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in my attempt. And I think, you know, and they were promoting the Super Bowls. Who wants it more? I think the Giants wanted to be brave in their attempt and prove 
that they wanted him more. Because Eli, I mean, on well, that they, play, he wouldn't let him take him down. Yeah, that's right. That was the best play ever. That that was. I thought he was Don Toast. I thought he was. Yeah, history. and I, I think Steve. I mean, Sable, Steve Sable has done a, a piece on it already, and I think it's going down as probably the best play in NFL history. Well, of they, the you Super know what? Bowls. You know what? New England lost the game with that play. I mean, basically, if they would have nailed, if they would have nailed Eli on that play, that would it would basically been. But over. you know, I think the play that set the tone in the game. Which one was, was that? Was very early when Bradshaw ran the ball. And he carried an offensive lineman on his back, and he mm-hmm. just would not go down. You I know, missed that one. He's, he's a, no, you didn't miss. He's just a little man in a big man's game, and no. he just refused to go down. So there were three people, along with a number of other people. But I think if you look at the efforts of those three people in those two plays, it was just monumental. Not, and, not, and not the coaching team. staff, the players. Well, you know what? And it's funny you mention that because we're going to get into that later. Because a lot of, of coaching course, changes. We, well, we had, uh, we also had, <laughs> um, mm. you know, we had, uh, you know, um, coach on the show with us, yeah. you know, and uh, the fact that uh, Coach McDaniels, who was Josh's dad, who's a high school coach, but still a coach, you know, we would talk to him about. His son is the offensive coordinator for offensive the Patriots, right? And we talked to him about is it great coaching? Or is it great players? I think it's great players. And But you know what he said? It's well, a combination of I, both. I always say, I, you know what? They can only teach you. You did it. You went through it. I mean, you had coaches that taught you and made you really good. Okay? And then you had to go out there and do your thing, and you had to read it and 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 do what you needed to do to win the game. I mean, the coach is not on the field. But I mean, it's you, truly, it truly is I, a, I always a combination of both, really. I, I don't think that... You know, you think so? yeah, you really do have to have great coaching. You really do. I mean, great players. Yeah, but when you're on, when you're on the field and, and that Eli Manning play when he got out of that, that that's a great player. I mean, he he was so terrific on that play well, that the coach. There's no way that you can you can coach that. Well, I mean, we're in it. We're in right now. We're it's in like it. when you when you hit Walter Payton and Walter Payton's laying on the field and you can't get up. Well, nobody just, coached that. Okay, let's just go into this if if I may, because you're leading up to where we need to go. And we're, that is, we're leading. this time of the year. What's that? Is the off season? Oh, and and it's probably the most important part. Of the season that people really don't pay attention to because this is really when football games are won in the offseason. And the hardcore people do. The hardcore fans are always looking at the you know what's going on with because, the draft and right you know. the draft and, and, and then the combine. But also a lot you know of people what? on this combine list. But the players. See the players, the what, ones what are they doing? If right you now? would talk to the Giants, I bet you would find out that previous to any other time to this season, mm-hmm. that they probably did not start working out as a group as early as they did last year when they won. Of course, this Super Bowl. Okay, so, so you, it's what you do in the off season that makes a difference on how you. So generally, after the Super Bowl's over or the team is eliminated, they usually have about a month or a month and a half maybe to kick back and. and interesting and, point, fam, I, I don't know. And yeah. then that, but that's an interesting point because see, the team that wins the Super Bowl, I bet you, if you talk to those guys, you'll find out that yes, most of the time they would have taken a month or a month and a half off. Mm-hmm. But I bet you they will tell you after the last game of you know last year's season. Mm-hmm. They probably took a week off and were right, right back in right the weight back room. Right back into it again, See, in the and, weight room. And, and that's the commitment that it takes. you got to say, you know what, I'm going to outwork all the other teams. So you're telling me there's a team out there somewhere in the 32 NFL teams. One of these teams said, you know what, we're going to start January 9th. We're coming into the, into, in, into the, uh, into the weight room, and we're going to start training for the Super Bowl. That's, we're going to start now. That's exactly right. And the reason why is – Who do you think that might be? You mean this coming season? Yeah, this coming season. Well, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit later because I need <laughs> yeah. some time to think about this because it's a, it's a tough question. It because is a tough question. if you think about it, very few teams, if ever, have won back-to-back Super Bowls. And I think maybe it's been done maybe once. Pittsburgh did it, didn't they? Maybe no, once they or twice. Yeah. But it's because it's so, because right now they just the guys who are in the Pro Bowl just left the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
So, so they, they were on vacation for a while. So they want to take a little bit of time off. But those guys who are in the Pro Bowl, with the exception of the Giants, which is so unique, they only have one, one player. One player, there. yeah. See, so, that's what it says about the rest of the country. I mean, the sports writers. I mean, you got to look at all the players. And here are the Giants with these great players, and only one gets there? Well, I think the Cardinals had two. Well, yeah, well, the Cardinals had more than two. They had they more had than two, two because... Did they really? They yeah. had... They had who, they, who they had? They, they had, had Pace. They had Fitzgerald. They Pace. had Fitzgerald. Who yeah. else? And uh, then Wilson, uh, Adrian Wilson. Oh, uh, yeah, but he was injured. I he think was they, injured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you look, but if you look at the Giants, you know, probably when the Super Bowl, when the voting for the Pro Bowl was being polled amongst the fans mm-hmm. and the teams, uh, you, you know, you didn't see the complete season. So they voted on it a little early. Probably mm-hmm. if you vote on it later, you would have had more of the, you know, representation there for the representation Giants. Representation for the Giants. Anyway, the Super Bowl is over, and now we're on to next year's. Coming up, we have the uh, Combine. The draft is coming up. A lot of changes in the coaching in the NFL right now. A lot of stuff going on. Wasn't that, that, what, that bonehead going What's going on in Washington? I mean, you hire a guy as the offensive coordinator. Then you turn around and you hire him as your head coach. But you never... At least the general public, you never let us know that Jim Zorn, in fact, was a candidate for your head coaching position. And if he was a candidate for your head coaching position, then why wasn't he hired when you hired him? Uh, it's called The Spinners, The Games People Play. Uh, Remember that song? Yeah, that's kind of what you guys have been going through here in Arizona. Yeah, we, yeah, we go. Yeah, so now game, yeah. But, but you, know, you know what? And I bet you we, know what? They now can replace Arizona as a number one spin state. Yes, well, they Washington are the spinsters. Is, well, they learned the from they learned from, they learned from Arizona. But this guy is the new spin guy because how many coaches? God only knows how many coaches he's had in the last few years. You know, he he can't you know keep a head coach. He gets rid of the guys after a couple years. Mm-hmm. The team they don't get a chance to to jail. He gets rid of his good players. He mm-hmm. keeps a couple. Well, you that's know. why they never make it to the Super Bowl. That's why, you know, the Cardinals have never made it. I mean, they, they only made it to one playoff game in 1998. Yeah, that's been it. I no mean, it, it, there's no co- cohesiveness to a team unit. Yeah, and you, you went through this. Well, that's what it, ta- it takes. That's what the offseason is about, you that's know? The, yeah, you can't be switching in and out and firing people. And it's all, you know, and one thing is on the field, you know, um, Ray, but the other side is the personalities. If the personalities don't fit, I don't like you. You don't like me. I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm going to get rid of you. You know, you know, that type of thing goes on. And bottom line is the fans want to see a winner on the, on the field. They don't care about all this back-end politics, office politics. They want to see a winner on the field. But the Jim Zorn thing. Um, well, speaking of that, right. well, you know what was interesting about that? Is right. this, what is interesting the, about that? The, the, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> the Pro Bowl. And you saw two guys who were bickering amongst each other mm-hmm. when they played with each other and after they left, more so when they left each other than when they were apart. And that was your uh, T.O. You know, T.O. caught two touchdown passes. From Garcia. From Garcia, of which those guys were at each other's throat. But you know what? It showed the level of professionalism between those two guys. They could put that behind, and when they went on the field, they performed. I I think T.O. has matured now, I think, since he got to Dallas. And I, I think that he's not acting like the way he used to be. Uh, and he went out there. He could have dropped those passes and made Garcia look bad. You yeah, know, and himself look bad or just run a but, bad route or but something. Garcia, I will, I will give I the high that. road to Garcia because as a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, you have several people. There are very few times they ever run a route where there's only one person, you know, in the route. He could have thrown the ball to somebody else. Yeah, but he threw it to T.O. But he threw it to T.O. for cool. two touchdowns, you know. And, that, I, you know, I tip my hat to him. So anyway, now now looking at this uh, this mess over here with, the, uh, with Seattle and Washington, is Jim Zorn. Has left the Seahawks. He's going to join the Redskins coaching staff as offensive coordinator. They report that the deal is most likely a three-year deal. Now, that was when that was the offensive coordinator position yeah. he had taken. He had taken. So, right. So and, I'm confused now. And, well, now he's the head coach. Yeah, he's the head coach. So he moves up pretty quick. Well, I wonder you know, what he's good at. 
But well, he's not. Well, he he, he was a de- he was a, a damn good quarterback. I'll give well, that. No, no, he, he was a good quarterback. He was a good, he was a good coach. I mean, but he was an offensive coordinator. But he's never been a head coach. Before. Head coach is a whole different ball. And game. that and that says no. something about some of the other head coaches that are out there that perhaps maybe could have taken. You know, Mooch. You know, who sits on. Uh, you know, and talks on TV like you and I do here on the internet. You know, he wanted that job. Who was that famous coach in basketball, in college basketball? Uh, Bobby. Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was on Jay Leno last night, and Bobby was talking about coaches and how coaches, even though it's basketball or football, how they transfer over. They transferred. He transferred over to his son, but he has to make sure that he gives the orders and he knows how who's doing what and controls the whole thing. Like he's the quarterback of the whole thing. He's the he's the guy sitting in. He's the captain of the ship, and. Does Jim Zorn have that experience to do something like well, that? Well, I don't wait. Well, maybe I didn't get all of that, but I don't think there's room for nepotism in professional sports. Well, there's nepotism the, the there. Best, he handed the best it over man to should get that job. Now, if Bobby Knight felt that his son Bobby Knight was th- the best oh. coach available, and Bobby Knight was in a position as the athletic director, whomever, to find, I think, was, I think it was just to a make coach. the decision on who his successor was. Uh-huh. Then I hope that his son is the best person for that job and not that Bobby's just hooked. I mean, Bobby has too much character as a coach, a winning coach, that he would just give his son a job. Well, the son ready must for. know what he's doing. Yeah, he must. Because, because that, he's, you know. that, otherwise, that, that should not be a part of his legacy. Anyway, this Jim Zorn thing is a mess. And, and I guess the, all the DC, uh, the Redskins fans are sitting there going, What? Huh? I'm doing the same thing. What? What? What, what happened? You know, what's going on here? I can't. It's so confusing as to who's what. And all the stuff is coming up all over the place. And it's, it's, it's a confusing mess. How come they just can't turn around and make decisions? Zorn will be the offensive coordinator, and Joe Blow will be the coach. Well, this is how we're going to do it. There's another problem I have with that. What's and that problem? is that they hired an offensive coordinator and a few other staff members before they even had a head coach. Now, one thing I know about stupid, head football coaches, they do not like to be forced to accept, to accept people, people that they did not hire. Isn't it the head coach's job to hire his his coordinators and his his assistants that he's going to be able to work with? It, well, I mean, that's I would, that, I would like that the way it works? I would like to think that's it, but uh, but what the hell do I know? All I was was a player. Listen, yeah, <laughs> you were just a stupid player, right? You don't. You're know listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. And of course, when we hear music, we got to take a break. Yeah, we got. So go. you take a break and come right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Okay. You're listening to the Voice America Sports Radio Network with... Ray Ellis Sports, and you can reach us at voiceamericasports.com. Ray Ellis, along with Fan Man, we have our uh, roving reporter out of Philadelphia. I think he's in Indiana someplace or Ohio. Jeff, are you there? Yeah, Fan Man, I'm here. I'm still in Philadelphia. Oh, you're still in Philly. How, how cold is it in he Philly? He can't get out of Philly. He can't get out of Philly. No, it has nothing to do with that. I don't leave for the Combine until next Thursday. Oh, <laughs> oh great. However, great. it is a snowy, uh, it's, it's, it's snowing today in Philadelphia, so it's coming That's what I heard. Way. I talked to my father yesterday, and he said it was going to snow today. Yeah, so it's, he was it's right. just starting to come down. Really? Well, let me ask you something. Uh, back there in Philadelphia, it's cold. Uh, you know, things are a little chilly. But uh, I would imagine it's got to be a little cold down there in Washington, D.C. I mean, <laughs> in, in that locker room, you know, in the coach's room, it's got to be chilly down there. What do you think's going on down there, Jeff? Well, I mean, the first thing, first thing first, uh, Jim Zorn didn't exactly endear himself to the Washington public in his press conference, his opening press conference, when he noted that the team's colors were maroon and black, wow. <laughs> uh, wow. which was not the, the burgundy colors that the Redskins wear, certainly not <laughs> maroon and black, and wow. um, I think it's gold and burgundy to be Yeah, really it is gold and burgundy. But, it's like Buddy you know, Ryan coming into Arizona going, hey, you got a winner in town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, was, you know the, the fans were upset. They didn't expect this. They thought they were going to get somebody with a little more experience, and then you have a guy come in and not even know the team colors, and... That's a pretty <laughs> rabid fan base, you know. It's one of the better uh, franchises, yeah. the most highest generating money franchise in the NFL. So th- those fans aren't going to be easily pacified. No, my, my uncle's a season ticket holder for years. The only time you get those tickets is when they're willed to you. No, it is probably the most <laughs> coveted ticket in all of professional sports. Let me ask you a question. the biggest stadium in all, uh, in all of the NFL. Yeah, and I think uh, it'll soon be replaced by Texas Stadium or whatever they're going to name the Dallas New Stadium in in terms of size. But still, the demand for the tickets, there's none greater than down there in Washington. I'm the head coach. What colors are the team colors? Well, I'll tell you one thing. (laughs) One thing he's going to find out real fast is there is no security there in Washington. I mean, if there's any franchise... In the last 10 years that has, uh, you know, shown the least amount of patience with their coaches, it's been down there in D.C. That's right. And, uh, you know, as you guys were pointing out, Jim Zorn was a heck of a quarterback. Uh, I don't know what that's going to say about his coaching, but, um, you know, he's certainly not the first guy to not be an offensive or defensive coordinator to become a head coach. Everybody, you know, in Philadelphia knows that 
Andy Reid was a quarterback's coach in Green Bay before he took the Eagles job, and Jim Harbaugh, who just got um, hired at in uh, Baltimore, he was a special teams coordinator, but he was never an offensive or defensive coordinator. So, you know, as far as whether that's really important is to be a head coach, I think that that might be a little bit overrated. But um, nonetheless, I mean, it seemed like Jim Zorn himself was a little surprised to be the head coach. So I think that that's the first time that maybe there was a little worry here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was. I think he certainly, uh, you know, was surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think, in, from what I've read and what I've heard, when he came into the interviewing process, he came in I, as a coordinator, and that is the position that he accepted. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know when he became a candidate for the head coaching position? Two minutes later. I believe last week he <laughs> re-interviewed for the head coaching job, and that was what had surprised him. He had no idea that th- that job was still going to be available at the time, and he kind of re-interviewed for it and then was even more surprised to be named it. Hey, Jeff, did he know when he went in for the uh, the offensive coordinator's job that the head coaching job was available, or didn't he know? Was you it know a big what? secret? I really don't know. Oh, you don't know? That's confu- I'm can't confused. can't imagine that. Well, I, he got hired. I'm trying to think if he got hired before, before um, Joe Gibbs re- resigned or not. I think when he came in, Joe Gibbs had already resigned. So there was a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. already in the front office because they hadn't really declared what they were going to do with both uh, Greg Williams and Al Saunders. Well, this, so. makes, Ar- this makes Arizona look pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As Ray said on the spin deal, I mean, they, they, I think D.C. has taken over the spinster of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what's going on. Dan yeah, it's hard to know. Sometimes. You, you, you know, know, he paid so much money to have That's Greg right. Williams and Al Saunders be a part of his staff. It was very well known that those guys were the highest paid assistants in the league. And then for the, him not to retain either of them is kind of head-scratching. You know, why were you paying them all this much money and, and proclaiming them to be, you know, the right and left-hand men of Joe Gibbs and then all of a sudden not let them stick around? So and was, it, was, was, was Williams already penciled in as a successor? Uh, I had heard, and I, from what I knew, Williams had a clause in his contract that he was supposed to make a million dollars if he wasn't named Gibson's successor. Yeah, so, yeah I, I read mean, the same I thing. I know Dan likes to throw money around, but who knows? I mean, who, that, you know, letting a guy walk and paying him a million dollars for that seems like a lot, especially with a guy who has a pretty good reputation and has been a head coach before. Yeah, that 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 was that that was quite surprising, but uh, you know. I guess we'll find out because when when it all comes out in the wash, I really believe that still the team to beat is going to be the Dallas Cowboys in the in, in the NFC. Well, you know, one of the rumors I heard, Jeff, is that that uh, hurts to say, doesn't it, Ray? Yeah, it does, man. <laughs> fat, <laughs> Real bad. Fat Denny, D- Denny, Fat Denny, that was here, the coach. He's interviewing uh-huh. in Oakland. He's uh, the, as as the head coach. Well, Matt I mean, Denny. the man has uh, he has head coaching experience. You know, what surprises I've heard that most that people? That whole Oakland thing was completely overblown, and it was one of just Al Davis's you know, week-long fits that subsided and that he and Lane Kiffin are apparently, yeah. you know, okay with each other and, and things are proceeding. Well, he, I, I, I read somewhere that the, he wants to he wants to bounce him out. He already, he already, in fact, Al Davis wrote the resignation letter and sent it to his uh, his attorneys. Right, right. They were reporting that Get around out. the time, the same Get time of the, of the Senior Bowl, and I think <laughs> since there's been a smoothing over. Oh, okay. Maybe. Well, Al does have the right to change his mind. Well, he is the, he is the owner, isn't <laughs> That's he? That's exactly right. And he has the right to change his I mean, mind. If he doesn't so like the guy, I mean, you know. Whatever it is, and I'm sure at some point in time they will, they will hash that out. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I certainly wouldn't want to be the head coach in a position that he's in at this time. And it's not a very comfortable one, I'm sure. Well, I think well, anybody he, who works for Al Davis is in a pretty uncomfortable <laughs> position off the bat anyway, so yeah. Yeah, well, that, Jeff, we're going to move on a little bit. And you, and you talked a little bit about the uh, about the combine and, and, and headed down in that direction. And uh, 
let's just uh, talk a little bit about going down the combine. But but before sure. we do that, uh, let, let's talk about uh, uh, the number one pick. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's Miami's pick, isn't it? It is Miami Dolphins' pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have a new regime with Bill Parcells, who's already kind of putting his stamp on the team. They were made a bunch of releases yesterday. Nine players they let go. Nine players. Yeah, including Trent Green and uh, a pretty good defensive tackle in Trevor Price, I believe. Trevor Price, yeah. And, and they hired uh, Tony Tony Sperano to uh, be the um, offensive coordinator, I think? That, that's correct. So that's there's correct. a lot of speculation right now as to what he's going to do with that number one pick. Will he take? And it's just it seems there's a consensus that the, the – the guy who they all thought was going to be the number one guy, Glenn Dorsey out of LSU, might not really fit the 3-4 that Parcells and his crew is going to implement there. And so maybe Matt Ryan, the quarterback out of Boston College, would be their guy. But then again, Parcells, who has been a GM before, has traded. Yeah, he's had two number one picks. One of them he traded down. And that's a pretty good possibility considering Miami needs a lot of help to begin with anyway. And something else I think people need to, uh, to think about is, is Bill Parcells, just the makeup of this guy, what kind of mm-hmm. coach he is, and what his history has shown him. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Bill Parcells has ever won a Super Bowl with a first-round draft pick, has he? Uh, no, I believe he Got has me not. No, certainly not, not. With, certainly not wait, with wait, the first Are you pick. saying as a coach or as a GM, uh, Ray? <laughs> well, as a coach, because, uh, you know, I, did he have that GM job when he was in New York? I, I don't think, I think he had it in Dallas, maybe, perhaps, but not in, in no, New York. No, he had it actually in New England and, with the, and very yeah. uh, briefly, I think, with the Jets. Okay, uh, you're 100 percent okay. right on that. But job. he's but he's never had. Well, certainly he hasn't had. He's been in a position to have this pick in the draft. He's, I don't think he's ever been this high in the draft. But well, certainly, yeah, he's had the number one pick twice. He took, I believe, Drew Bledsoe was his number one pick uh, in New England when he was GM there. And and you got me on that one. I, I knew Bledsoe crazy. was uh, was a very high pick, but he was he the very first pick of the draft. Uh, I believe he was. Uh, and he right. he happened to watch Tom Brady win a Super Bowl, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Which, yeah, how about that? <laughs> which then well, again, so so Bill's number one pick has never won a Super Bowl. Show me your question on the, uh, on, on the fan side of it. You think they? He didn't answer my wait, question. Wait, wait, wait. Are they just going to clean this team out? Are they just going to start? They just from did scratch? it. I they mean, got, they, they got, got rid of nine, nine players. players, but yeah. there's going to be more coming. You think? Oh, there's going to be nine more players. That's that's like once you know. If you talk about players who actually make significant contributions, that's already. Nine starters. One fourth of the team, you know. Okay, I, I so think you're saying it's already started, yeah. So nine starters have gone. Right. Right, okay. So they're cleaning house down. Well, actually, I, no, I can't say nine starters. Not, not all nine. I don't know if all oh, okay, when nobody said, well, starters. okay, nine players then. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. But nine players, for so, I don't think anybody has ever done that type of, you know, cleaning house on one day in the offseason. I think that's probably a record, you know. And he just Correct. came in. I mean, I guess he looked at film, or maybe he didn't look at film, and he just said, these guys have got to go. I don't think he needed. Trent Green was not a film, you know, decision. Right. Trent Green, was, you're out of here. Yeah, he right. understood. There are reports that they're tr- going to, tr- they might try to re-sign Trent Green at a, at a, you know, obviously a much less reduced price. Mm-hmm. I but would obviously not. they've got players that they want to bring in. They've got a number one pick. They've got to start, you know, cutting dead weight and, and accruing as much money as they can to pay some of the guys that they do want to bring in. I, I think Bill is is a defensive minded guy, and I, I think Bill, like everybody else, you know. Defense wins Super Bowls, and and I think he's going to lean. And we towards saw that uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I think he's going to lean towards the super uh, towards defense in this upcoming draft. Um, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, it, it would be his uh, type of of makeup to do that. Uh, a lot of people are speculating that the uh, son of Howie Long, Chris Long, defensive end from Virginia Tech, would is a possible number one pick candidate for that uh, type of team. Well, those people are going to be mad at you. He's from actually from Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Virginia Tech? I meant Virginia. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Hey, hey, uh, but give us an idea. Now, you said Howie's son is, is uh, you know, perhaps maybe the, the top pick in the draft. 
Who's in that company with him? Who do you? Who else is in their top five? You think? Well, uh, obviously the quarterback from Boston College, Matt Ryan. Um, there's some questions about him, and because there are questions about him and whether how soon he can be a real legit NFL quarterback, there are teams that might shy away from wanting to make him a top three or four pick because you have to pay a ton of money to a guy like that, and if you don't think he's going to pan out, then it's not going to be in your best interest. But um, he is a guy who's considered top five. Uh, Jake, Jake Long, who is the offensive tackle from Michigan, he's a big guy, about 6'6", 330, runs, uh, you know, great blocker. Um, I think he was a three-year starter in Michigan. Yeah, he went to he's Michigan, right? yeah. What's that? He went to Michigan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jake Long out of Michigan. Okay. So that's, you know, you got Chris Long from Virginia, Jake Long, uh, Matt Ryan, um, Glenn Dorsey, as I mentioned before, the big tackle mm-hmm. at LSU. And a guy who came on real late um, is a, a tackle out of USC who had a really good senior bowl. His name is um, Cedric Ellis. I mean, this guy was really quick off the ball. I watched the senior bowl, uh, and, and he was he was amazing. He was really a good penetrating up the field guard, but it's also good against the run. So he worked himself into kind of that top five uh, area as a pick. All right, Jeff, you hold on, and we're going to finish the rest of those uh, top ten picks, perhaps. Maybe you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And we'll be right back after these messages. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Die, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Die, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. From the Super Bowl to the World Cup and every major sporting event in between. Front row with sports travel insider Robert Tuckman will take you on a private ride into the exclusive world of high-end sports travel. Tune in every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern as Robert interviews key event organizers as well as star athletes and celebrities who attend these events. That's Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. That's right. Let your voice be heard. You can give us a call right here on the line, on the air, and you may open up your opinion about your favorite NFL team. Call us 866-472-5788. Again, 866-472-5788. I'm Fan Man along with Ray Ellis on Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. We have Jeff with us, our roving reporter, and we're talking about the draft. Hey, Jeff, I got a big question. Yes, sir. Maybe you can answer this for me. Uh, has something happened with McFadden and his stock has dropped in the draft? Well, I don't know if that his stock has dropped, Ray. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, there, there's a lot of talk that Jerry Jones is in love with Darren McFadden and that he would, you know, him and Bill Parcells are on very good terms. And if that bill is looking to trade down in the draft, that, you know, there could be a deal worked out between the Cowboys and, uh, and, the, and the Dolphins so that Jones is in position to land uh, Darren McFadden for the Cowboys. McFadden, I was going to mention him before we went to the break. Arkansas. As another, you know, as, as among all the offensive players, skill players, that he is clearly uh, – the guy, you know, the the one who's got a chance to break top five. But if you, if if, if I'm down there in Dallas and I say, mm-hmm. okay, I got two platoon here, and and these guys are working pretty well, and I had mm-hmm. a backup, probably one of the first times in history that a backup running back mm-hmm. has made the Pro Bowl, you know. There you I, go. But so what do you do? Do I do well, I? The problem I, is well, that Julius Jones is a free agent and will probably be walking after this season. So uh, you can probably you can pretty much elim- eliminate him from that. Uh, equation right now, and um, but you know, why is he walking? See, there, see, you, you, I, mean, I don't think I don't think he was the problem. Is why they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So, oh, I don't no. think so either. I'm just saying he's going to seek. I would think, and you know, I'm not sure he's in his head. I would think that Julius Jones thinks he's good enough to be the number one back for someone, and he's going to command a pretty good dollar on the open market. He's an okay. unrestricted free agent, so he's going to probably test the waters. I would think, and and seek out that that opportunity and paycheck that he can get. So when you take the amount of money that McFadden would get in a signing bonus as well as his salary, wouldn't mm-hmm. you think that those probably those dollars would be similar? And why not take a proven pay player who already knows your system, you know, fits in well, you know his work ethic? Ah, yeah, you know, I, you know, you know, I, I don't know if I do that. Well, you know what no, I'm looking I, at I, here. I tend to agree, but you know how Jerry Jones is very. Yeah, you know what I'm looking at here. Jo- Jones is getting older. Julius is getting older. This guy's young, coming out of school. He's a good. He's a good runner. I'm, uh, that's what I'm looking at. There's an age thing here. They want to keep that young and fresh uh-huh. and moving. That's well, you, what it's all well, about. Well, and well, money, too. The money, uh, you're right. Yeah, the but money. Julius is, remember, it's a two platoon, so he's not taking all the pounding. He's only taking half of the pounding because, he, you know, for the past couple of years, he's had two backs in the backfield. Well, I wish we were psychic. No, yeah, I just, well, you, you know, know. And another thing is, you know, and, and I'm, again, probably in the mind of Jerry Jones, he's got this new stadium about to open. His, his best stars is Terrell Owens. And, and you yeah, obviously Tony Romo, but. You know, Terrell Owens is 31. Who knows how long he's up? He may think he needs a franchise-type guy. And if Darren McFadden is going to be anything like Adrian Peterson, it's kind of hard to, to you know, say, well, I really yep. you know, don't need him. I mean, hey, that, that would be one heck of a commodity to have That's right there. What I just well, said. I, I agree with you because, uh, first of all, I asked you what happened to McFadden because I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, why isn't, mm-hmm. you know, he even being considered as one of the top three or four picks. But mm-hmm. – uh, you know, when you look at Jerry Jones, that makes a lot of sense. Arkansas, Texas, you know, yeah. you know close, you know, yeah. very there close. You go. He's got Absolutely. to sell seats, Absolutely. and he's a young guy. And you, and you look at some of the other teams. I mean, the St. Louis Rams have the number two pick, and Stephen Jackson's a pretty good running back. I mean, you know, he had an injury; he was beat up a little bit last year, but he's pretty good. Um, the Atlanta Falcons could definitely take McFadden at number three, but 
Lord knows that they need help at every single position. They need help they at all over the place. Right. The Raiders pick number four, but they have had so many number one picks that they're a little cash-strapped right now, especially with the big contract that Jamarcus Russell got last year, and they may be in a little bit of trouble. They may have to wind up trading down as well. So it's not really Darren McFadden who, who's sliding. I, I think it's the, the teams that are in the top five are kind of in a – and the number five pick is Kansas City, who has Larry Johnson. So it's just a kind of a, we're, we're a, an imbalance of teams' needs versus where they are in the draft. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, there's a team out there that I'm, you know, familiar with and I like a little bit, the Cleveland Browns. They may have some trade bait available to them. You Could you see him uh, ended up in Cleveland? Darren McFadden? Yeah, I, I also I think that Jamal Lewis is a free agent also because, if I'm correct, they signed him only to a, a one-year deal, right? Well, even if, even if he's not, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's definitely in the senior citizens category. Yes, he's yeah. – yeah. <laughs> He had a pretty good year last year, though. Yeah, but, I, I yeah, but that was last that, year. Yeah, then we got you know, next year coming. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, yeah, I tell right. man, a football season is really like five years in any other kind of sport. Well, like you, know? you said that's about Emmitt Smith, yeah, Emmitt Smith um, uh, the Cardinals running back. Yeah, they got Emmitt when he was done. Yeah, he was know? done. And and Emmitt, Emmitt was finished when he got here. I mean, he, he, he was. Right. you could see he was tired. Well, you know, and you well, never know. They would have to trade up, Ray, I think, because Cleveland doesn't have a very high pick. I don't know if they're high enough to land. No, that's not the trade bait I was talking about. What's the trade bait? It's sitting on the bench. Oh, oh Brady, the quarterback. Brady there Brady, you go. Oh, there you go. You think he's going to get off that bench anytime soon? Don't think uh, so. That was, no, uh, I, I don't. I mean, he'd be a he'd nice backup in case Derek Anderson isn't the guy you thought he was or gets 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 hurt. But yeah. um, uh, Smart move there, right? But wouldn't that be a tremendous salary cap hit if they had to trade their, their quarterback who was a first-round pick? Well, I, I'm sure they'll be creative enough, and they've got experts in there that know how to work that salary cap, you mm-hmm. know, uh-huh. and, and, and I, I just think that there's there's some place to look for. People who are interested. They need a quarterback who might be interested in one. That's a pretty good guy. You know, his eagle's been bruised last year. And if he gets traded, God forbid. God you know, forbid. <laughs> if he gets traded. <laughs> but that, that was just uh, something to think about. So I, I just right. I wanted and to Cleveland move on. Cleveland doesn't have a first-round pick. That's the funny thing. That, that's ex- but they got the quarterback. You they know, the quarterback. so that would right. that, that would get them right. what they need. And they, I think they need a good running. But they got uh, a guy that comes in there like McFadden in that backfield. Look uh, out! Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that would help. That'd be so, really good. Let's move on. A pretty, it's a pretty deep class. I mean, McFadden's obviously the head, but there are some guys like Jonathan Stewart uh, from Oregon and Rashard Mendenhall from Illinois that are supposed to be Ray Rice from Rutgers, who are supposed to be pretty good backs. That Cleveland might be able to get later, uh, you know, in that second round or maybe trade up the late first round. Okay, Jeff, let me just, uh, you know, I'm going to talk from a fan's perspective. You're going to go down to the Combine. You're going to be there. You're going to see some of the players. Let, let's give the listeners out there a little inside perspective of what it's all about besides just what they see on TV. Give them some of that, uh, you know, backroom stuff. You guys even get a chance to interview them, you know, off camera. Talk to us a little bit about what the Combine's all about. Well, to be honest with you, this will be my first Combine, so I'm a little excited and interested to find out exactly what goes on behind the scenes myself. Um, from what I do know, this is really the first chance that head coaches get to get really acquainted with all of these people who are uh, eligible to be drafted. You know, the Senior Bowl only invites a certain amount of people. Same with the other, uh, um, you know, all, uh, the East West and the Shrine Bowl and things like that. But the Combine pretty much has everybody there, and all the head coaches and their their staffs are there, and they they each get uh, a certain amount of interview time with them per day. So it's their, really their first shot. At trying to evaluate the guys' character along with their, their physical attributes. Well, you know, and I said this in one of the uh, earlier broadcasts that we have. You know, it's actually an extended job interview that the entire world gets a chance to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and well, that's you say pretty nerve-wracking. But didn't you say they have to take a personality test, too? Uh, so I think that, what, what is that test called? The Wonderlick test. The Wonderlick test, yeah. 
Yeah, fam, man, he brings that up every year because they had a question about the cheerleaders, and you know he just can't, he you just, brought it up. He I just didn't. can't. No, he just can't get over that. I thought that was that. funny. I thought that was really hilarious about the cheerleader thing. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what could well, be you one s- of those questions. Well, it just happened to the coach when he he got the colors wrong. You know. <laughs> well, how about this? <laughs> how about this? Um, New England's uh, quarterback. Tom had Brady. His, Tom Brady had his girlfriend or some babe in the in the stands in Phoenix. Well, the Super Bowl. You told me that. Oh, well, yeah, is there. that a distraction? Huh? She was in one of the uh, suites drinking some wine. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, his mind might have been on that babe sitting in that uh, in that <laughs> hot box. Well, it's one of those things to think about. It's been <laughs> happening it. on a consistent basis. I can here. see why now. It's Thanks. that question is on that that test. <laughs> I now know. <laughs> you can't say that Tom Brady played a bad game against him, though. He did play pretty well. Well, you know what, I, I, was, I will say this, and it's, it's funny oh, you mentioned baby. that because what I thought about Tom Brady, because somebody oh, on baby. one of these NFL channels or maybe ESPN or something, they showed the pregame festivities in terms of the team getting ready and prepared to walk down the tunnel and go on the field. I think they showed it was his very first Super Bowl, and they showed this one. And it just seemed, and it could be a level of maturity. It could have been, you know, he was a little bit more uh, maybe in tune to the game, but he was much more emotional. His mm-hmm. first Super Bowl than he was oh, this one. He yeah. was head button, blood. So oh, yeah, well, we we, we you but know, something drugs. else, guys. Drugs? I, I know, not drugs. <laughs> he, medication. He was oh, medication. on some I'm sorry. form of med- medication. <laughs> he he certainly was, and no doubt about it, his ankle was bothering him. I'm sure they gave him a shot of so, something. Are, so are you are you making an excuse now that uh, New England should have no won because I'm a no you, excuse kind of guy. Lost. I'm a no excuse kind of guy. There's no excuses. No excuses. I hear the spin coming in here. Okay. No, no, but no, there, there's no oh, excuse for him Tom. at all. Oh. But Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady is one of those guys who went through this process. He went through the uh, combines, and you know, I just got to think. I can't what? tell you why. Let me ask you a question. Some, no, well, let me finish this because I can't tell you why. There's some people who end up later in the draft being drafted That's... who outperform those who are picked up in the upper rounds. I don't know what where they're missing it at, but they're making some mistakes, I he, believe. He was drafted in the sixth or seventh yeah. round. Now, he was a nobody out of Eastern Illinois or someplace. And, what do you and, think uh, about that, Jeff? What do you, what, 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 what's the mistakes? Where are they missing the boat at? Yeah, where, yeah where, where are they missing the boat, Jeff? It's, it's, it's not an exact science. I mean, you know, you can look at all the game tape on a guy and, and get an interview, but, you know, I think in every sport you have just guys who were just come out of nowhere because for whatever reason they fell through the cracks, and you have guys who were drafted high and don't pan out. I mean, the, the, the success rate for a quarterback picked number one overall in the last ten years is pretty bad, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, and like you said, I mean, if you look at most of the, the Pro Bowl quarterbacks, the decent quarterbacks, they're Tony Romo's, Brady, Jeff Garcia, um, you know, there's others like, you know, they, they just come either, they're either second-day guys or, or late, you know, Matt Hasselbeck. Yeah, look, there's something look. to be said for having a few years to watch and learn behind a veteran and right. and get you know your your mind and your knowledge of the game in tune before you're ready to go out there and play. Well, we Sometimes have the same number one picks get hey, Jeff, we have the same the fire. We have the same problem here with that in Arizona when they drafted Matt Leinart. You know, they threw him in right as soon as Warner got hurt. He was right in there and he got beat up all the way. And right. he was uh, drafted, uh, you know, in the, the, the top ten in the first round. And he was a tenth right. pick overall. But, but it's not just the quarterback position. As a matter of fact, we're going to have on on the show our, you know, another guy who comes in and, and, and speaks with us during this time of the year is Kelvin Fisher. Oh yeah, who Pittsburgh, is a, uh, right? an NFL scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and perhaps maybe he can help. 
you know, give us some insight because that's his job. I mean, his job is actually to go out and look at, and these, to guys. Look at these college players and then come back and give the information to the rest of his colleagues there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they make a decision on who they're going to draft and, and how high they're going to draft the guys. And they don't always pick the person that he thinks that they should draft, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny, though. If it was an exact science, the NFL draft wouldn't be any fun. I mean, and sports wouldn't be any fun. If, if every number one pick turned out to be great and every six-rounder turned out to be terrible, then you wouldn't have any good teams in sports. I think that's kind of the beauty of it, that, you know, the, the expectations that some guys carry in and, and, and how that translates into the field and, what, and how it becomes to define their careers. I mean, certainly if Tom Brady was a number one pick, he would be viewed a lot differently than he is right now, wouldn't he? I mean, people would have people would have viewed him more like Peyton Manning, where if he hadn't won the Super Bowl in his first two or three attempts, he'd be an utter failure instead of a great Cinderella story. Well, I, I certainly think that people want to see your first-round pick. See, I've never been one who, who has uh, had the belief that a first-round draft pick is a project. I, I just don't believe in that. I don't think you spend your first-round pick on somebody that you've got to wait a few years before no, they, they come in right away. He got to come in. He got to perform. perform. He's got to be the right guy. Now. You're listening to Rail of Sports I, I agree with you on, on the and Voice of America Network. Don't heed that. Okay, hold on, Jeff. We'll be right back. Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network with the number one co-host. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. JackLalane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. 
that bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready. think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Jay, you're listening to VoiceAmericanSports.com with Ray Ellis Sports and Fan Man. And we got Jeff, our roving reporter from Philadelphia, talking about the draft. And Jeff, uh, you're back on again. Hey, Jeff, I want, want to say one thing before you leave. And uh, as you heard the intro, you know, this is uh, the sports show where the fans have a voice. The fans mm-hmm. have always had a voice in Philadelphia, and they voice their opinions. Yes, now, they do. Uh, the, the most memorable one, of course, is Donovan McNabb. So kind of give us a little inside perspective. Who do the fans want? Who do they think the Eagles need to get them into the big game, back to the big game? <laughs> uh, it's a pretty uh, diverse opinion, actually, because the Eagles are in that weird, um, you know, lower uh, lower echelon where they're picking around uh, 19th. So, you know, normally it's a little more cut and dry. And, you know, like when they, that year they wanted Ricky Williams instead of Donovan's, but um, – a lot of people believe that this team still needs a wide receiver, uh, a game-breaking wide receiver, and somebody who, who can also return kicks because special teams, uh, particularly the return units, have been just catastrophic the last few years. I mean, really, saying it's substandard or below par is, is being nice. Hey, Jeff, I have a question. Is the Donovan rumors still swirling around Philadelphia in the snow? Yeah, swirling more now than, you know, and, and I kind of told you guys I felt like this was, was going to be that kind of offseason is, it, it didn't even take for the Super Bowl to end. I mean, immediately on Super Bowl Sunday, Chris Mortensen uh, of ESPN had the report that the Ravens uh, might be interested in trading for McNabb. And um, yeah, but Ozzy killed Ozzy killed that that rumor. He, he gave killed up. it. But just yeah. yesterday, there were reports that three or four teams have expressed interest, including the Bears and the Vikings. So it's going to be like that all summer. Uh, not, not sorry, not all summer, all winter and up until the draft. That's that's. That's that's your winter in Philadelphia for you. Well, I tell you what, that that Giants game it proved that we need a left tackle. Are we, going, are mm-hmm. we looking at a left tackle? Well, um, you know, Trey Thomas is a pretty good left tackle, but I, he's I think senior I, citizen. He's senior citizen. <laughs> yeah, but this, and this is where I think I honestly <laughs> believe that the Eagles will take a offensive tackle with their first round pick. Uh, there are a bunch of it's a pretty deep class. There don't seem to be any big top five guys other than than Jake Long's, but um. There are some guys who fall in that 19 to 24 area. Um, uh, Utah's Ryan Clady, Pittsburgh's Jeff Oda, that that seem like would be a good fit. And Andy Reid usually does draft for the future, not for the immediate needs. So um, it looks like tackle would be a position that they're going to have to address. Yeah, because and, both of our and tackles. Also with, I'm sorry, just real quick with Winston Justice, you know, not performing very well in his limited playing time, it's kind of become a, a more hot button issue. Yeah, and uh, and then the big fellow from Michigan, he's pretty old too, right? I'm sorry, who's this? Are the big tackle for Michigan? Jake Long. No, oh, no, 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 no. Currently with the Eagles. Oh, oh, oh. John Runyon, the right John tackle. John Runyon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's also on the wrong side of 30. So, yeah, they, right. they're definitely Senior citizen. stability at the OT position. The well, they're looking is, at Jeff. You know, as you said, it's the voice of the fans. The fans want now, okay? They want a guy who's going to help the Eagles next year. And that's not the way Andy Reid drafts. And, and, I, and I credit Andy for this. He, he's all about team building from the inside out. And... He looks ahead, and he's going to need tackles. Yeah, but the fans tackles don't think aren't always easy to come by. So. Hey, Jeff, the fans don't think like that. The fans want a winner next year. They don't care what they do as long as they right, have a winner right. on the field. But you they don't care. Build your team through the draft. You no, I understand that too. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I think that they've been doing that all, all, all over the last couple of years of, of, of doing, you know, building through the draft. But right. 
We'll, we'll see I, what happens. Well, I've got a comment for both of you guys. What's this that? Is, this is 2008. Yeah. And in 2008, I don't think you can build for a team for the future. That's because the fans want winners today. Well, not the, the, the fans, owners. The owners. Owner. Everybody the wants owners, a winner. The owners want to win now, Jeff. They, you think they're, they're really giving coaches an opportunity now to build a team, or are they looking for winners right now? Microwave. Well, it depends on the team. I mean, I think some, some organizations have shown a pretty good patience with their coaches. You look at the Steelers, <laughs> and they had – I mean, Bill Cowher was a coach for a very long time there, and he lost a lot of big games before he finally won the big one. Uh, the Lurries have been patient with Andy. He's, he's entering his, uh, what will be his ninth season this year. I mean, yeah. the Giants were, were, you know, somewhat patient with Coughlin. Maybe not because he wasn't producing, but, um, you know. Yeah, but when you mention those two guys, when you mention Bill Cowher and Andy Reid, those guys uh, were in the playoffs every year or going to championship games or going to the Super the time, Bowls. All the time. They go. That's correct. But part of that was because they did a good job of building their teams through the draft. Through the draft, right. right? That's I mean, exactly right. Like but, but no, they can't. No, no. Wait, now. I believe they came in and won right away. No, they didn't. Well, well, no, Bill Cowher didn't, didn't come in and right, win right Andy Reid didn't either. No, no. I, you go back and you look at Bill's record. You will find out it did not take Bill five years to win. It did not, not take five years. Bill. No, it, it, but the fans want it now. The fans don't want to wait two years. Are oh, we talking take, about winning the big one or just winning the division? Just winning no, it. no. We're talking about moving your team into the playoffs. And, and then, the Super Bowl. I mean, because we're going to start talking about that. And, in fact, let's talk about that here with the Cardinals, okay? This guy came in this year. It's okay. This is all right. Next year, you got to make the playoffs. Well, you know what, Jeff? The thing is here that we have been so spun in this town with the Cardinals. And what the Cardinals have done is every three years, they bring in a new coach. So the new coach has his philosophies. They bring in the uh-huh. new players, the draft, you know, the same old stuff. Now, this guy comes in, and he turns the team around, and the whole the city it, of Phoenix, What do you mean he turned the team around? He, he, turned, he turned it around to an 8-8 eight eight team. Okay. Instead didn't of a make three, the It didn't make the playoffs, but it was 8-8. Eight eight. So, you know, I was screaming about it, and Ray finally saw the mess that was going on here. And no, now, I'm for the guy. I'm for him. For him. No, I'm no, no but corner. you saw it coming in that you thought that they were going to be, you know, they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, and I said, you're full. Yeah, I don't know what you're smoking. I said they're going to make it to the playoffs. No, they didn't do that And either. they could keep home field advantage, no, they, and they didn't lose it until the 14th right. game. Here's the thing. they got to keep the coach, and, and exactly what Jeff was talking about, you got to build within the draft and through the draft and get some good players, you know, on free agency and build. And the fans cannot expect to have a winner right now. Okay, I mean, okay, the, the Jeff, Cardinals Jeff, are on this route Jeff, now. fan man, how many years can you give a guy? Your players don't stay around that long. How many, Jeff, I, how many years can you give a coach? I've given the Cardinals 20 years, and we're still losers. Okay, and that's why they've been trading. I think you've got to give a guy at least, at least four years, probably five. Yes, I agree. Oh, and, no, yeah, that, no, that, no. That's not no. happening, unless, guys. unless the guy's at two and, and 15. Five uh, years. Yeah, I will put that. Unless the guy fails to show any improvement in the first three years, um, I, I think you give him four or five. And I, and right. Really, can you think of some coaches who were fired? I can think of maybe a few of the Cowboys. I know Jerry Jones went through Gailey and Campo, like, and the Redskins went like through Burrier, paper. who clearly right. wasn't really ready. But I think most coaches get at least three years. Yeah, well, they, they do here. They, you may get three years, but I'm telling you, you can't you can't give a guy five years look, anymore. For one, because yeah. of free, think about it, the average career of a player only lasts two and a half years. Look at Fat Denny. Fat Denny came in here. Fat Denny had a great years. resume in Minnesota. He comes in here and gets blown out by the Bidwells and can't do anything. Marty Sennheimer had a great you know track record in San Diego. That doesn't mean anything. I'm talking about what have you done for me lately? If you don't win in about three years, most four years, you're definitely gone. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, next year and the combine. Well, he got a this year. Huh? He got a pass this year. Well, they yeah, they sure. let him build this year. Well, but the fans next year, are, the, he's got to win. The fans are happy, Jeff, right now because they're 8-8. Eight and eight and they, you know, he came in and said, I'm going to change this. And he made strides, like you just said, to change the team. And he did that. Right. That now, was he his first year. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah first, first, year. first year. First year with a, disarray, a, a mess on his hands with these players and the front right. office and the fans right. screaming and yelling. Right. So. Yeah. Well, you look at some of the franchises. 
across this NFL that have been used to winning or want to win. There are some teams out there that have never been to the Super Bowl. Phoenix. They're not going to give these people all that time. you got to come in. The guys are making so much money. Coaches are making a lot of money, money now. Right, right. And yeah, fans want to see, you know, they want to see a return on their investment. Look, at the, when the season started, nobody picked the Giants to go to the Super Bowl. Look what happened. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, okay, so who do you think will be in the Super Bowl next year? Because last year everybody had penciled in either the Patriots – or the Colts were going to win it. They had them penciled in. Just to bust your ass, Arizona will be in it next year. I'm uh, going <laughs> to pick the Vikings. You're going to pick the Vikings? I'm picking the Vikings. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, we got so, a show next week, right? Yeah, I'm picking the Vikings, okay. too. I think I'm the a, Vikings are going to do I'm quite least, well. You know, I think I can you know, at least take a week. I can take a pass for a week. I'm going to go go to my crystal ball next week and then tell you. Well, I, already, you I already picked the Giants for 10 consecutive road games. So. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate you checking in with us. <laughs> Jeff, and, and hopefully you'll get a chance to check with us before you go to the Combine next week. Next Tuesday, I'll talk to you guys. Okay, babe. Thanks a lot. Jeff, see you. Thanks, man. So you're, so you're picking the Cardinals now, huh? You trying to jump on my bandwagon? No, I'm just trying to give you a hard time. Why are you going to give me a hard time? Because I like giving you a hard time. Well, why do you want to give me a hard time? You're, right. not, you're really starting to because really you don't act know, like a kicker. Because you, you I, really are starting to act like a kicker. I pick the winner. I am a winner. You really act like a kicker. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Anyway. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America <laughs> Network with the number one, number two co-host in the world. Bad man. And... You're acting like a kicker. We'll see you next week. And I'll see you next time.